How's everyone doing this morning? Fantastic. It's been a long couple of weeks with all, all the guest speakers and lots to take in, as Hayden said. Uh, and of course, it, it ended on the right time with the bank holiday, so we could all just chill down a little bit, just let it process. A lot of people on holiday as well today, so we just pray uh, God's protection and blessing on everyone. And some are back from holiday as well. But listen, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Britain is such a great country. With that, it's a fantastic nation, guys. Keep praying for this nation, keep praying for our nation, amen. You know, sometimes we don't realize how blessed we are, and for all you know, through the year, we have different remembrance Sunday and you know, events like these. It just brings us together to kind of focus on the nation. Uh, and I don't think it's by any chance that there's great in front of Great Britain, but I believe greater days are ahead for this nation as the, as the Lord continues to fulfill His plan and His purpose for this land. Amen? Okay. Well, <clears throat> I was just meditating the last three, four weeks. It's been, it's been fantastic. We've had visiting speakers, a, mo- a lot of it unscheduled, unplanned. It just happened. <clears throat> And in addition to the three Sundays that we had them over here, some of us even had midweek meetings with, uh, you know, which again was unplanned. We had Julian Richards with us uh, one of the one of the uh, evenings with all our joint leaders. That was unplanned again; just happened. Uh, the next day we had Paul Francis from uh, Glenwood Church in Cardiff. He was with us at the New Wine meeting. And kind of echoed almost, you know, what Julian was saying the previous night. He had no clue Julian was here on, on the Tuesday evening. Uh, I had a good, uh, you know, opportunity to meet with Clem Ferris along with some of the other core team uh, leaders of New Wine. And so it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Uh, and I believe the Lord has been saying different things corporately, but also individually challenging us in different aspects. And I said, Lord... Where do we go from here, kind of, on this Sunday morning? Uh, and I just felt like, not summarizing it, but I wanted to kind of tie it all in, just with a little reflection, more than a preach or kind of a teach this morning, a little reflection. And, you know, one of the verses that Nikki, <clears throat> I believe Nikki shared three weeks ago, when he was speaking of visitation, and of course, Denise spoke about, you know, lifestyle and Pastor Willie spoke about destiny and, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, classic verse that encourages us all. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. You know, whether it's a corporate plan for, for a group of people that make a, a local fellowship together or individually, because God has plans for us individually as well. And he says, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that is so encouraging to know that God has a plan for me as an individual. I'm not just another, you know, entity just gliding through life, but He knows me by name. He knows you by name. He knows, he knows when you were going to be born because He ordained that. He knows how many days and years we have on planet Earth. And it's not just an existence between the time we are born to the time we leave this world, but there is a de- definite plan unique to each of us, customized, uh, if you may, for each of us. And that's beautiful to think about, that I, I, I matter in the eyes of God. How about that? You and I matter 
in the eyes of God. He thinks about us. He has thoughts towards us. And as I was reflecting on all these three Sundays, of course, we had the, the evangelistic meeting as well in between, and a number of our uh, you know, people from here gave their, went up to give their lives to the Lord as a starting point in their journey. And so there's been so much of fantastic things happening. But I just felt drawn to Psalm 1 for this Sunday morning. I was waiting, waiting, waiting on the Lord, and I just felt the Lord say, let's reflect this morning on Psalm 1, the first Psalm in the book of Psalms. And I'm going to read it for us. Uh, we'll put it on the screen and just pick out a few thoughts from there before we go off into our street parties uh, and every. What time is the street party? Two o'clock, so we've got plenty of time. Just kidding. We need to prepare for that as well. Okay, Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step, does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. Verse 1. So it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. I mean, when I was reading it, those three words stood out, walk, stand, sit. And if you remember reading Watchman Nee's book, I mean, we all grew up, you know, reading Watchman Nee's sit, walk, stand. Anyone read that book? And I thought, Lord, are you saying go back and refer to Watchman Nee's book? I mean, not going to do that this morning. But that, those three words just stood out for me while I was reading that. And it says, verse 2, But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on His law day and night. Now, as a result of the first two verses, it gives us two outcomes. So it gives you two options, verse 1 and verse 2, of two choices of lifestyle. But what is interesting, verse 3 and 4, then give us the consequences of the choices that we make between verse 1 and verse 2. And I think that's the way God works. God wants to bless us. God has a destiny. God has a plan. He's got good thoughts towards us. However, there's a part that we are responsible for in bringing that to pass. Are you with me this morning? You know, it's not that God says, this is it, and we just say, okay, let's see what happens now. Verse 1 and 2 gives us two definite choices, lifestyle, ways of which we can conduct ourselves. And then verse 3 and 4 gives us the consequences of what those two choices are. So verse 3 tells us what one, what one of the options will give us. It says that person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Wow. Of course, figuratively, streams speak of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Pentecost Sunday today. And we know there's life in the river Ezekiel. That's, if you want to know about the river of God, read Ezekiel. It's beautiful. There, where the river flows, there is life. It brings healing. Amen. It's for restoration. And it says that person, that person who follows verse 1 and 2, is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Now that talks about destiny. That talks about destiny. What is destiny? It's about being fruitful. It's about seeing God bring to pass what He has written out 
for my life. That's my destiny. I'm walking out in my, working out and walking in my destiny. It means I'm yielding fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Again, talks of fruitfulness, talks of longevity, talks of consistency, not just little spurts here and spurts there and, you know, a Sunday morning where we are worked up because of a good sermon and we have two great days and again we are waiting for the next one. It's talking about the consistency of fruitfulness and leaves that do not wither. And finally, whatever they do prospers. Wow! <laughs> wow! I love that. That speaks about the favor of God. The favor of God is it's not about you what He is able to do through what we allow Him to. So you walk in those areas and you see fruitfulness. And I love that verse. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. Now I want to say this to you and me this morning. This verse is for all of us. God wants you and me to have these four things happen in our life. It's not just for a few select people. It's not just for the good ones or the special ones. I don't know why I remember Jose Moreno when I said special ones. God wants all His children to enjoy this beautiful life. The enemy, again, someone mentioned that in the last three weeks, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life, but not just an ordinary life, life in all its abundance. I know the difference between the two guys. I know what the first life was. Turmoil, stress, fighting for something to happen. It's like everyone else had everything good going for them except me. Mine was a struggle. To get one prayer answered was a struggle. To have one good thing happen was a struggle. And then I realized the difference when the favor of God starts to operate. Amen? And so all of us have access, of course, just to kind of end this, you know, four, verses 4, 5, and 6. We just read verse 4. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Listen. The opportunity for us to enjoy this abundant life, and I want to kind of build a little, share a little bit on this this morning, because we spoke about this the last three Sundays, destiny and the visitation and reordering and, you know, all kinds of things. But let's start off with God saying, I have good plans for you. Charlotte, the Lord says, I have excellent plans for you. Excellent plans Plans beyond our wildest dreams or imaginations. Even we wouldn't be able to write. If, if, if God said write the script, we would, we would still be limited because we base our expectations on what we've experienced. And sometimes our expectations are limited because what we have experienced has limited us. But God says, I've got abundance for you. Pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. That's why I like that verse, you know, He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask or imagine. I've said this before. I was good at asking, but I wasn't good at imagining. Why? Because my, I was limited because of my, my, my inner turmoils and my inner feelings. And I wouldn't imagine 
anything good. If I ever imagined it was this much. But he is able to do exceedingly abundantly what we can even ask or imagine. And I pray this morning God would unlock our imagination. We would begin to dream big dreams. We would begin to see things in the Spirit that's far beyond. For me, just standing here this morning is like the biggest you know, dream that I could have ever dreamed beyond where I started off my life with. God is able. God is able to take the most insignificant, the most anything, whatever expression you want to put there, and give us the best. But I put down six things that this verse, this passage is encouraging us to do in order for us to see the brilliance of what God has for us come to pass. Walking in our destiny. Walking in the fullness of all that He has for your life and mine. Whether you're watching something like this for the very first time, God has a plan that is good for your life. The first thing He talks about does not walk in step with the wicked. I put down the first thing that God is asking us to watch out for is our belief system. Our belief system. What is it that we believe? Again, Denise touched on that. What do you believe? Because what we believe determines how we operate, how we expect, how we respond, how we... And I'm not going to go into her message, but I think this is, this is key over here. What is God's way? What is God's way? We're living in a very crowded space in the 21st century. Are you with me? There's all kinds of philosophies, all kinds of opinions, all kinds of you know, uh, persuasions. There's all kinds of slants, even in the so-called Christian world. And it's so important for us to know, in order for us to be like this tree planted by the streams of water, in order for us to yield our fruit in season, in order for us to have, be like a leaf that does not wither, for us to be like someone who whatever we do prospers, it's important to know what is God's way about everything. Fundamental. Because sometimes we can get carried away by what we have heard. We can get carried away by what we think. We can get carried away by what we see. And the Lord is saying, does not walk in the step. He's talking about what is God's way. There is God's way. There is the world's way. There are people's way. There is my way. <laughs> How I interpret it. And so it's important for us to know what is God's way. And perhaps we are in the season, 2022, we kept talking about 20, coming out of lockdown. 2022 is just to re-examine where we stand. Re-examine what we believe in. What is our philosophy? What is our philosophy about life? What is our philosophy about kingdom of God? What is our philosophy? And our philosophy has to be based on the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 1 Timothy 4.16, very important verse. Paul says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Watch your life and doctrine. Persevere in them. So he's talking about doctrine. So it's not about just a good feeling on a Sunday morning. Are you with me? It's not just an atmosphere and we just cruise through. What is God's way? 
for us to see those outcomes that we spoke about happening. He says, watch your life and doctrine closely because both are important. I'm coming to it. So it's not just doctrine. It's doctrine and life. They need to match up as well. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Amen. That's why it's important for us to know what is God's way. What has been God's patterns? How has God been working? How does He work? It's important for us to know. You know, one of the things that I've been, I don't know if I'm going to speak on this, but one of the passages that have been coming to me again and again and again was from Leviticus, where he talks about strange fire. Anyone read that passage? And I'll read that. I don't know why. I'm just, I'm just meditating on what is God trying to say. Leviticus 10.1 and Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and, and put incense thereon. I, I got the KJV for some reason. Therein, thereon. And offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had commanded them not. Listen, they were trying to do the right thing, but it wasn't God's way. It wasn't God's way. And, and what, what I'm trying to say this morning, in order for us to, be, to live a fulfilled life, it's important to know what are God's ways. You know, so many things. I mean, the other day I was talking to another person. We were talking about the whole thing that's uh, being spoken about. I don't know if you heard about it, the de- deconstruction of the Christian faith. Anyone heard that? Deconstruction of the Christian I mean, there are different takes on the whole thing. But one of, the, one of the things, and I need to kind of, I, I'm calling things out. Are you okay calling things out? You know, they, it's, they're challenging the atonement of Jesus. That Jesus did not need to die for the sins of the world. Because everyone's going to go to heaven anyway. Listen, these are things that are creeping in. And if we are not careful, we'll, we can get so caught up with what's happening, what's being spoken that's why it's important. In order, what am I talking about? Being fruitful, end of the day. Enjoying a good life. And you may think enjoying a good life is go to church, come back and sing a few songs. It's important to know what does God say. Number one. This, I'm talking this, just a reflection on Psalm 1. Psalm 1. It's important. Our foundations. You know, we're starting a... If, you, if, you want to, if you're not sure about your foundations, this Tuesday we're starting a kind of a foundation course for those who gave their lives to the Lord uh, recently. But if you want to come and join us, it's 11, 11 or 11.30. I'll, I'll, I'll email that to you. I'm always mixing up the, uh, the timing. But come and join in. We'll, we'll, we're going through some of the strong foundations. What does it mean to be born again? How many of you, some don't know what it means to be born again? The term born again. And so, and so it's important. You know, what has God said about gathering together? What does God say about leadership? How many of you know leadership is one of the doctrines being challenged in, the, in these days? God has a pattern with leadership as well. Well, as the, the new age philosophy, we don't need leadership. Hey, what is leadership? It's not, not to rule over, but to help God's people. Someone looking out, someone, someone caring for. And so be careful. Be careful about these things that sound nice, but are not God's ways. By end of the day, we want to be blessed. We want to be fruitful. We want to see the destiny 
that God has for our lives come to pass. Recently, the, in, you know, in some of the minister circles that uh, we have access to, we connect with, there was, a whole, there was a whole thing suddenly that came about about if it's a big church, it's not God. Because God's plan is small churches. It was a big issue. Then, of course, Glenn Barrett had to come in and you know, say it's not about big or small church. It's about what God wants. You know, these are, in fact, I think it's more the insecure guys who are not seeing growth come up with these philosophies because they try to, they try to, they try to cover up their inadequacy or whatever. And so it's about, hey, what is God? Don't be carried away by what you read on Facebook. Don't be carried away by what you hear. Even don't be carried away by what people may say from the pulpit here. Check it. Test it. Because God's way is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And again, fruit speaks. I have a lot, I mean, now in my role, I meet a lot of pastors, leaders, and all kinds of guys. And some of them, they have so many stories. I said, listen, where's the fruit? Show me. What's the fruit? I remember sitting with this guy. They called me to, they called me to one of the board meetings. Okay, this is a new church wanting to join AOG. When they sat with the whole board, and there was a new pastor there, and I said, listen, one of the things we need to know as pastors, we're always learning. Pastors are learners. Leaders are learners. You with me? We never say we know it all. We're always constantly growing, learning, humble enough to, to learn and grow. And I said, why don't you come to one, some of these sessions that we're doing to help pastors continually be trained? He said, I, I don't need no thing. I've been serving for so many years. I know everything. I said, listen, I'm going to come and visit you after a year. And see where your fellowship, your church is from today to the next year. Because end of the day, fruit has to show. After one year, he had to step down. Because it was going backwards rather than forwards. Are you with me this morning? I mean, I'm giving you some stories. What I'm trying to say is, listen, we want to see fruitfulness. Corporately, individually, what is God's way? What is God saying? Number two. So not only does he say, walk in step with the wicked, it says, or stand in the way that sinners take. Talks about our behavior. So number one, our belief system. Number two, our behavior, our lifestyle. Our words and our actions have to match. Our words and our actions. So number one was, who, what is God's way? Number two is, who am I on the inside? Who am I really? Who am I really? Because my, my, my attitude, my lifestyle has to match up with what I believe in. They all, all these points are linked with each other. It's important, guys. We're talking about fruitfulness this morning. And I'm trying to tie up the last three Sundays. Destiny and this and that and all that. Who am I? See, I love this verse. I, I, I remember reading this verse when I was about 16 or 17. But this verse had a great impact on my life. 1 John 3 verses 21 and 22. I didn't put it up on screen, but listen to this. It says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. If our heart does not condemn us. And I thought what is important is 
not being right in the front of people as much as being right in my heart before God. Because I can put a lovely cover up. I can do everything beautifully on the outside. People say, Chris, what a fantastic guy you are. But my heart might condemn me when I come into his presence. Because I know I'm not living the way I should be living. I'm saying all the right things, believing all the right things, but I'm not living it. I was in my, in my service in, in India, and, and the preacher was reading it in some other context, and this hit me. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence then before God. And then it goes on. Then it says in verse 22, And whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. Wow! What a link between the two. That means I got to first be right on the inside. And I said, Lord, that's what David says, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Within me. That's what I always say. God works in us in order to work through us. In us, every day. And so, number one, our belief system. Number two, our behavior. And listen, God is a loving father. He's not a taskmaster saying, now you've got three strikes, gone. No, 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 no. He's looking at a heart that's pursuing his righteousness. A heart that's pursuing his holiness. We, you know that last song we sang? How many of you know we could just have gone on singing it on and on and on and on? It's like, holy, holy, holy are you. Worthy, worthy, worthy are you. I mean, when we come into the presence of the Holy God, it's like everything starts to, everything that's not meant to be there starts to go away. And we can connect with His beautiful presence. Holy are you, Lord. That's why, again, I, I mentioned first, we need people around us. We all can have blind spots. We can all have blind I, I can have blind spots. That's why we all need each other. We need people around us who will speak into our lives. It's a phrase we use, but you know what I mean. Who are there to look out for us. Who will say, listen, Chris, perhaps you're just steering a little away from where you're meant to be. Now, he's not con they're not condemning me. They're not saying I'm a bad person. They're there just so that I can be like a tree planted by the riverside that I will bear fruit in all season, that whatever I touch will prosper. That's why God puts even leaders, shepherds over us. Not because there's a hierarchy in God's kingdom. No, there's no hierarchy. We're all equal in the eyes of God, but different functions. In fact, there's a verse that we don't often quote, Hebrews 13, 17. Has anyone read Hebrews 13, 17? Have confidence in your leaders. This is another concept being challenged these days. <laughs> Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. Why? Because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. You think your connect group leaders have it easy? No. They have to one day give an account. Anyone in leadership, pastors, elders, leaders, the reason we do what we do is not because we enjoy it, it's because we realize we have a responsibility 
before God for the people that He's put in our care. So it says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Of course, I like pastors like the second half of that. It says, do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. So, I mean, it's saying, end of the day, we want to be like those trees planted by the riverside. I thank God for my leaders back home. There were times, as a young leader, I thought I knew it all. And they would come alongside. But we were gracious to recognize God puts fathers and mothers over us. And we're blessed in the fellowship with so many amazing fathers and mothers. I don't want to start naming so many of them sitting in this congregation. Fathers and mothers who, look, who care for people who love people, and their only desire is they want the very best. And so, our lifestyle, so our belief system, our behavior, and the third one, he says, or sit in the company of mockers. You see, I'm going with the the B theme, belonging. Where do I belong? What's my association They don't sit in the company of mockers. What, what, is my, what are my associations? As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of another. Do you know we become like the ones we associate with? And so we've got to guard our associations. Who is influencing me? Who am I rubbing off a lot with? I have seen people who've come into associations with certain people, their language suddenly changed. Hey, where did this come from? Then you kind of do a little track. Oh, they've suddenly started associating with this person. They're beginning to speak the same language. They're beginning to react the same way. They're beginning to act the same way. Association is a make or break. You may think it's an easy You're ruining your possibility of those four things. Being like a tree planted. And you wonder, why am I going through so many problems? So we love everybody, but we're guarding ourselves in our associations. Very important. And so he puts down here, sit, walk, stand, sit, association. Good associations will sharpen us in the things of God. Well, as unhealthy associations, not only would it do the opposite, but also can cloud our discernment, can erode our value system. And I put this down here, guys, listen, again, this is, I think, a challenge we are facing in the 21st century. Association must be based on God's truth and not man's approval. Association must be based on God's truth not man's approval. You with me? Makes sense. Again, we're living... I, I, I openly say I'm not an ecumenicalist. Why? Because just because someone says they're Christian, it doesn't mean I count them as Christian. For me, unity is based on truth and the Spirit. 
I can't share the same platform with someone who calls themselves Christian, but they're not following the Word of God. Their doctrines are completely worldview and everything else. Listen, for me, association is based on God's approval and God's truth, not man's approval. Sometimes we're so worried about, I mean, I always say principle over friendship. I've lost a lot of friends, not a lot, few friends in the ministry. Why? Because for me, principle is more important than friendship. Well, as it's so sad, I see these days people, they have such strong values, but the moment it comes to a friendship, they'd rather keep the friendship and compromise on their values. Listen, I, I won't fall out with you, just that I'll be sad that you won't be like a tree planted by the riverside. And you will not be bearing fruit. You'll be trying this, trying that, going everything, but 10 years, 15 years, no fruit. But if we stick to God's principle, God's ways. See, I said all the points are linked. God's ways. I've been, next year will make 30 years for me in the ministry. I know I don't look that. 30 years. Started my first role function at 18 when I was a life group pastor back home. Not next year. Did I say next year? This October will make 30 years. Seen, seen a lot in the ministry. The good side, the bad side, the ups, the downs. The... Listen, integrity is what God honors. Integrity. In the end of the day, when He sees our hearts, we've done things that wanted to please Him. We've done things that are according to His ways. Not modern day philosophy, not because insecure people are trying to tar what's good successful people are doing and create a whole new doctrine. No, no, no. Stick to God's ways. And I've seen God's blessings over the years. Over the years. In my personal life, family life, friendship life, provision, ministry, name it. God's been faithful. I always say nothing of me. All of Him. All of Him. But belonging, association. Don't be caught up in associations that will take you away from godliness. My friends, be careful. Be careful. You know, while men slept. You remember that verse? While men slept. In other words, while they were not being on their guard, the enemy came and sowed the tears. Be sharp in the spirit. I'm always allowing the spirit of discernment in every conversation, in every, even social gatherings, the guard should never be down. Guard is always up. What's going on? What's the atmosphere? What's the spirit? Test the spirit, the Bible says. And decide whether you want to go along or pull back. Amen? With me this morning. And finally, three things. So while he's saying the three things to watch out for, so your belief system, our behavior, our belonging, he says, build into three other things. Okay? And I'm going to kind of wrap up with this. I'm going to spend time. Passion, practice, persistence. He says, whose delight is in the Lord. So the first three words were walk, stand, sit. In verse 2, it was delight, meditate, day and night. Three things. And so, number one, delight. Passion, 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 passion. 
passion. The zeal of his father's house consumed him. Who was it said of? Who was that verse speaking of? Jesus. The zeal of his father's house. Hey, listen. One of the te- How do I test whether I'm getting a bit lukewarm? Is the zeal for the things of God still there? If I'm going through a couple of weeks and I think, ah, now it's becoming a chore. I'm not really enjoying this. It's like a duty. I've got to do this. I know something on the inside is getting a bit dry because there's no zeal for the Father's house. And then I need to come before the presence of God. Lord, fill me afresh. I still remember John Chadwick's sermon, the balloon. Beautiful illustration. Lord, fill me afresh. I need fresh oil. Today, Pentecost Sunday. Lord, Give me a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit because I want the fire to burn again. Let the fire burn. And so passion, it says he, he delights in the law of the Lord. He delights. Listen, we've got, to, we've got to keep assessing. Am I delighting in God? Am I delighting in the things of God? Is it a chore? Is it a duty? Is it a good thing to do? Or is it something I delight myself in? That's why it says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will grant you the desires of your heart. Delight. God loves a cheerful giver. I mean, again, you look right through the Bible, there was something attached to, to, to passion. There was something attached to going overboard. That's why David says, I will, I will not give something to the Lord unless it costs me something. And even when he was challenged about his uh, dancing before the Lord, he says, I will be even more undignified than this. There was an exuberance. There was an extravagance. Hey, are we extravagant towards God? Extravagance. The woman who brought the jar, everyone said, oh, you should have sold that and given it to the poor. The religious spirits. But she broke that jar and poured. There was an extravagance. There's one thing I want to build on again. There's so many things I want to build on. I keep saying that. But something about expression. Expression. Being able to express. Being able. You know, there was the verse that Claire sent to the worship team a couple of weeks ago. And, and they read it. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Sing His praise. Shout. There's something about allowing expression, which we need to develop. We're not used to it, maybe not British culture. Listen, try something you've never tried before. Shout to the Lord. Express. There's something about extravagance, even in our expression, not just in our finances. And so, passion. The level of our passion is an indicator of our level of love for God. And practice, he says, meditate. And finally, day and night persistence. My friends, do not grow weary in doing what is good. If the team could come up, do not grow weary. And I'm, I'm earlier than scheduled. Do not grow weary. In doing what is good, because in the right season, you and I will bear fruit. Amen. Persist. Keep on keeping on. Good days, bad days. Up days, down days. Good seasons, bad seasons. Listen, God is still there on the throne.
keep on keeping on. There were times I had nothing to give him but my worship. There was times I had no, nothing left in me. But I said, I still remember. Listen, I, let me close with this last story. You know, this was when I just finished, finished doing my engineering. How many of you know I did my electronics engineering? Okay, it's a good little bit of brains there. Okay, did my electronics engineering. But however, the circumstances were so difficult that I wasn't getting a job. That's how a lot is in India. Okay, if you're either not the topmost ranker, or you don't have money to bribe someone, which we can't do anyway, you can't find your way around. And so I would kind of go to this little hill that was close to our home every day. Sometimes I would pretend I'm going for interviews so that my parents or friends would think I'm going for interviews, dress up, put my tie, everything, take my file, but actually there's nowhere to go because there's no, there's no jobs coming my way. I had people literally tear my CVs in front of my face because you don't have any experience. I said, how, how will I ever get experience if no one's going to give me a job? But that's life in India. That's why I said Britain's a blessed country. Very difficult back home in India. And so this went on and went on. No money. Sometimes there was no money to even have a snack. So I'd sit there and just, just pray. And I remember saying this to God one day. Because I was quite involved with, my, with the church. I used to do a lot of things. Get up six in the morning. Three of us would go and help set up the equipment which was not in the building because we rented our place in India. And so we would go at six in the morning, two hours, carry these heavy duty, heavy fans and heavy big speakers that didn't have a lot of output, just big size and heavy weight. And all the equipment, bring them, set them up in church, took more than an hour, go through service, pack the whole thing back for two hours and then go home three, four in the afternoon every Sunday. That's how we started some of us, our ministry. But anyway, so I was sitting there one day thinking, God, what's happening? Some of my friends are getting jobs. I'm not getting any job. Let alone job, I'm not getting interview, call for an interview. I remember saying this to the Lord. Whatever happens, I will not stop serving you. I remember it was an afternoon. I sat there on that hill. I said, Lord, whatever happens, whether I get an interview or not, whether I get a job or not, I will not stop serving you. I will not stop doing the things that I'm doing in my church because you are still above all. I'm not a fair weather Christian. I'm all weather, all terrain, good times, bad times. All my life you have been faithful even when it doesn't seem like it. My friends, God is faithful. Keep on keeping on. Keep doing the right things. Keep doing it. Keep being faithful. Keep loving Him. Keep staying to what is true. Keep holding on to integrity. Doesn't matter, friends, people around may push you, try to influence you to doing things that are in, deep inside your conscience. You know are not the right things to do, but you're afraid. Listen, if your heart does not deceive you before God, conscience, then you are confident before Him. And then when you speak to Him, ask Him, he will answer. You will be like that tree that's planted by the riverside. These are some simple things I've learned over the years. Look to Him. Look to Him. Faithful. Let's stand this morning.
Let's stand this morning. Maybe this morning as we kind of said three-day conference spread over three Sundays. Today just the time to just bring it all together. Bring it all together. And say, Lord, I have chosen to follow you. To be a kingdom citizen. More than a church goer, kingdom citizen. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Not just in the good times, but even when it doesn't seem to go well. Even when I don't feel like it, Lord, you are still my priority. You are still my number one. All of us here, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Perhaps today the Lord is touching your heart and you say, Chris, I want to come on to this journey of following Jesus. It sounds difficult, but I think, I believe this is the right thing to do. Because not only does He help us in this world, He gives us eternal life so that when we close our eyes here, we are assured a place in heaven. Give your life to Jesus today perhaps. And for us who've been weary, my brother, my sister, pick up the battle again today and run with all that you've got. Run. We do not know how many years we have on earth. He knows. But every single day that we have, give the kingdom our best everything. Why was Abel? Why did he find favor in the eyes of God? Because he gave his best. He didn't hold back. Wasn't calculated like Cain. Let's give our hearts afresh to Him this morning. And I'm going to read that verse for you individually. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Carol, God has good plans for you. Good plans. Good plans. Good plans. Good plans, my brothers, sisters. Good plans. Good plans. Good plans. Father, I just pray for my friends this morning. Some have been very disheartened, discouraged. I pray this morning you would just fill them afresh with hope that comes from heaven as they continue to persevere and keep doing the right things father you are the glory and the lifter of their heads you are the one that brings prosperity you are the one that brings good things into our lives father we're grateful this morning grateful can we just sing that that we sang earlier, the last song. Worthy of it all.